Hey, I'm Mikey. And I'm Randy. And, and we, we are, are the Chapmans. Chapmans. And your host of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast, where we're going to talk about all we're learning, unlearning, and loving about marriage. We hope you enjoy. Now check it out. Now look, the apple don't fall far from trees, right? I'm in the land of milk and honey with the bees, like. And if I'm ripping it, what I'm sowing with my seeds, like. Now check it out. Hello. Hey. We are back for episode four. And true to Chapman fashion, we have to re record it. <laughs> because we had the wrong microphones on the first time. Oh, God. It really sucks. It does. This is episode four of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast Plot Twist and Lemonade, our miscarriage story. So before we get into our topic, we're going to start with a love story from around the world. And then we're going to jump right in and discuss our pregnancy and pregnancy loss experience, why and when we started trying, why trying for a baby was triggering, and how when we finally got pregnant, we told our family. We're then going to get into our miscarriage and how it affected us, what we're doing now, slash how we're moving forward, and what our miscarriage has taught us. Afterwards, to add a little fun back into the episode, we're going to have our fight or flight segment where I'm going to let Mikey know something he's been doing that's been bothering me. Finally, as always, we'll have our PDA segment, a.k.a. public display of affection, where we'll both get a chance to compliment the other or show gratitude. Excellent intro, babe. That was, that was smooth. So uh, first segment, uh, my love story. All right, so I found this story on... My favorite site, Humans of New York, mm-hmm. because cause Humans of New York knows what they're doing. Um, and it stuck out to me because it highlights the relationship between a father and a daughter. Um, it's really nice to see. I, it's, a, it's a black father, black daughter. And it stuck out to me because I enjoy seeing some positive representation of like black men and their children. Um, so uh, here it is. Actually, uh, um, that's a pretty short one. I'm pretty sure you haven't heard of it. So okay. So we'll get into it. Um, so the guy starts off by saying, you know, he was late to the delivery room when she was born. Um, but as soon as he walked in, her eyes started tracking him all over the room. Um, like, she knew that he was her dad. Mm-hmm. Even the nurses were laughing about it. And um, since then, she's always been his best friend. Uh, she never went through a quote-unquote teenage phase, you know, where they, like, rebel against their, like, parents and lash out at their fathers and stuff um she never stopped wanting to spend time with him uh they could always talk about problems she was having at school and even as she got older they'd still go to the park on saturdays or find some exotic place to eat in brooklyn and um he said you know he wanted to say like it's it's tough now that she's away at college and he missed spending times with her but he trusts her he trusts her completely and wants her to enjoy these years you know her college age years um, he just hopes that when she falls in love with some dude, that he'll still get to see her. That's nice. Yeah. That's really sweet. And an interesting take on a love story. Because it wasn't a relationship one, like like a couple. It's yeah. a father and daughter. So, okay. I think uh, it just kind of relates a little bit to today's episode because it goes to talk about the relationships between parents and their children. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a love that's not as easily, you know, it's not as easy to describe as like a love between, you know, like a partner and a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, like your, your child is like a real unconditional thing. Yeah. It is. You know, people do some crazy stuff for their kids. 
you know, and people will go to places they never thought they'd go for their kids, you know. So, and since the theme of the day is children, kind of, I figured it was a good fit. That's good, baby. Good. All right. Well, I guess we'll get right into the story about wine when we started trying. So we officially began trying to get pregnant October 4th. We had started trying earlier in the year of 2017, but had decided to wait a few, wait a while after talking to some of our mentors and with children and just realized maybe we needed a little bit more time together. Before we got to that point where we realized we needed more time together, we were fighting them and everything they were telling us. Yeah. Like we were like, you know, like, yeah, y'all, you say, you know, y'all should wait. But then we look at you and your kids and y'all look so happy. And like, obviously it's possible Mm -hmm. because you sitting here with multiple children, all happy and stuff. And speaking to one of our mentors in particular, like that night we went to go talk to him, his kids who had been away for a while with their mom, like a little vacation, they came home and they were like singing a song Mm -hmm. and performed a whole dance and yeah, it was nice. <laughs> It was really nice was really to watch. Sweet. And they want their best behavior. Yeah, and like... Yeah. So, like, you're not really talking us off of a ledge here when we're looking at, you know, exactly what it is that we're trying to, like, get to. Yeah. So, um, so we stopped anyway. And yeah. we started back October 4th. And I know that because at the time, and I still track, but at the time I was tracking my cycles and tracking when we were um, sexually active and... Just tracking in general. And so October 4th was the day that we officially decided to to start trying. And trying was a little triggering because, well, one, we had both anticipated, even though we went to preconception counseling and she told us not to come back until it had been a year because the average couple can take a year to yeah. to get pregnant. Um, we We were still stressed about getting pregnant and... I had realized that I had internalized a lot of my abuse experiences and thought that somehow my abuse made me infertile or unworthy to get pregnant. And Mikey shared similar concerns about himself. Yeah. It was just, um, you know, like a lot of things that don't make sense that are illogical. You internalize, you know, I figured that because of my past and because of things that I've been through, you know, like I'm not allowed to have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've wanted, you know, most in my life, I'm never going to be allowed to father children. You know, I've worked with kids for over a decade, you know, and it's one of the, it's what I enjoy doing most, like teaching kids and helping and being a parental figure, honestly, and, and just doing all the things that a dad would do, being present and helping build someone. Um, and I just, you know, I was a terrible person in my earlier years. I just figured that was why I'd never get to do it now that I'm ready. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we felt like it was time to like, even though we were still triggered and like afraid of these things, we still tried because we were married and we got married because we have this vision of a family we wanted. And this vision included a married couple with children, uh, basically just the type of childhood and lived experience with parents. We didn't get that. We like dreamed about. Right. And my parents were married for a decade, but, um, and when it was good, it was good, but it was also like, obviously rough and they divorced 
And and so we, we knew going in, we didn't want to get a divorce. We knew going in that we wanted our children to be raised a certain type of way. And we saw that as a way to, we saw getting married and trying to like get that to be like a good motivation to keep trying. Yeah, on top of having that exposure um, to what, a, uh, you know, what we want, what it could be, you know, you were able to see the good growing up and I got most of my, I don't know, my, my, uh, the things I wanted to see in the family from movies and TV. I watched a lot of like TV shows with the black dad that was like really present, you know, mm-hmm. um, my parents weren't married. You know, my mother was a single mother. She raised all three of us by herself. Uh, love you, ma. And, um, you know, I grew up to recognize that it was very hard in the sense, like it was hard and it didn't have to be, you know, like having someone else, a partner who was present and invested in the kids as much as she is, because, you know, like, I mean, no one will ever be as invested in a child as like their mother. Mm-hmm. I don't think like, you know, like a mother's love is just different, mm-hmm. but, um, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what a father's love really was at that time. So I didn't really have anything to compare it to, but I definitely know that I wanted to be present, you know? So I wanted that family where I am married to the woman who is having my children. I am completely 150% invested in the relationship and its outcomes and what, what, what happens and what comes of this child and how the mother is doing and how we are both raising them, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that was, that was a lot and we didn't expect those triggers to come up, but we ended up getting pregnant, pregnant three months after trying. And we realized three months was not a long time at all (laughs) to conceive. And so, um, immediately right after the day I ovulated, my breast started to hurt and I thought it was strange because my tender breast is a psycho symptom of mine, but I felt like it was really early for it to be a psych, like for it to be a psychosymptom. And so I started to suspect that something was up because they were really, really, really sore in a way that I have never experienced sore breasts before. And they were very round and plump, yeah, they were. but couldn't do yeah, anything because they, they were so sore. Which was sad. Um, yeah, it sucked. And, um, and I also started to have really bad fatigue, could not stay awake working out. During a workout, I was yawning and just very tired. And so I started started to suspect. And then our trainer um, was taking my measurements. And usually around the time my cycle is about to start, I get really bloated in the same area. And so that's how we also track when I'm about to start. But at this point, I had been a week late. And she was like, you need to take a test. But and by I just, this time, I had already knew you were Yeah, pregnant. he had already told me or suspected but that I was. But you were definitely pregnant. Um, And I was just like... No, I'm just late or something nah, because I had been late up. before and yeah, I didn't want to get my hopes up. That first time you were, um, when we, when we first started like starting and stopping during that phase, you were late. A you long, were very like, late. It was like, I was like, I didn't start my cycle till like the 14th day I was late. For the people who don't understand what that means, it means you was 14 days late or you were later than four. Like I was 14 days late. Gotcha. And, um, but that was just stress induced because we also had stopped trying around that time. And we were going through some stuff. Yeah. And so that's like, yeah. So I didn't want to take a test and it'd be like a stressed induced late cycle, but I did have symptoms looking back and that was, that was how I should have known. So we took a test and Mikey and group were in the bathroom with me. Before we took, before we got into taking the test though, we were, we were 
we were having a back and forth about why we should or shouldn't take the test. And it wasn't that we were like afraid of the outcome completely. It was more so tests are expensive. Yeah, and this is my last. <laughs> this test. is the last didn't one. Want it's it like, to be negative, and then like have to have to go buy some more because yeah. they're expensive. But, but I guess if you can't afford a test, you can't afford a baby. So and our trainer took, was not going to train you anymore. Yeah, until I took the test. Yeah. and so I took the test, and um, I'm used to my cycle starting between three forty-five and four p.m. and at 4 p.m. since I had it started, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a test. Like so clockwork. I took a test. Yeah, my cycles are like clockwork like that. I took a test and it was positive. But before we realized it was positive, I took the test and we went to go walk. And we took a short walk just to get us out the house for the three minutes it took to wait. And we came back and it was positive. And it was really. It was a great moment. It was really it was great. A very, it was a good time. It was so exciting. And um, and the box said the test was safe positive for the next six months and it was just really great and so we rode around the city and told our siblings and our mothers and the godparents and we didn't get to tell people in the order we wanted to tell them but yeah like our original plan was to drive to up go to see south mom. carolina to she's go see your mom she might as well be south carolina she's in beaufort to tell my mom <laughs> but she was in class because she's in school and mikey's mom is a nurse and she was about to go to work so we got to her first because yeah. Or we would have to like wait to the next day. And Mikey was like, we need to tell them today. They need to know now. Yeah. So we rode around and it was really great. But I was also incredibly fatigued and tired. So by the time I got home, I was done. But it was it was nice. Everybody was really happy. The baby was very loved since the beginning. Um, since we realized that we were pregnant. So I called the doctor so that I could come in just to see how far along I was because based off of the baby center app I was five weeks pregnant at the time and they told me that they don't see pregnant women until they're seven or eight weeks and so they made my appointment for February 13th and by then I would have been eight weeks and I would have possibly been able to hear a heartbeat and all that stuff and so I was like okay and so we just had to wait it out and am I missing something before we move on So February 1st was when I started to spot. And by this point, I was supposed to be six weeks pregnant based off of how late my cycle was and all of that. And so we get into the doctor's office because I wanted to go in because I was spotting. And because I tracked my cycle so well, I knew that it wasn't implantation bleeding because it should have happened two weeks before if that was what it was. And so ironically, we get into the doctor's office and my spotting has stopped. And the doctor is really nonchalant. He's not rude. He's just like unbothered because like he's used to women coming in for this type of thing. And we're just crazy pregnant women who are like on edge. Yeah, he's, He was giving off that vibe like, you know, like I've seen this before. Yeah. You'll be all right. Chill out. He gave us ultrasound picture, which which was great. Yeah. We both got one and um, we came back home and pinned it up and I, had, I stopped bleeding. So I was like, OK, well, you know, I was just stress it for no reason but then the next day the spotting started back and I was worried um but I had been on forums and they were saying oh I spotted my whole cycle and now I have a 12 year old you know don't stress and um so I was like okay well don't stress February 5th I went to the restroom at work and I was at the time I thought they were cramps realized later they were contractions but I started cramping, I thought, and I went to the restroom to use the restroom and I got up and there were clots in the toilet, blood, blood clots in the toilet. And I 
sent Mikey a text and told him, hey, everything's fine, but I need to go in. And the whole process of calling the doctors or calling the nurses to get an appointment was traumatic, just traumatic. (laughs) They were asking me a hundred million questions, but I had just been in four days ago and had just done this. And I was like, hey, if you could just look at my file, I've answered all these questions. I think something is wrong. I really need an appointment. And they gave me like this really late time. And so Mikey had to actually call back and do his man thing to get them to give me a time that that made sense. And I was just feeling really bad because I I had I suspected that I was miscarrying and I couldn't believe that people were treating me so badly at one of like the worst times in my life. It, it, It was mishandled. It was the, the way that that whole process. It was went. disrespectful. Rude, you spent evil. you spent a, over an over an hour on the phone, at least Miss talking, Karen, um, talking, trying while, to get talking to them, yeah. an appointment, and nobody would tell me why I couldn't get the doctor, our doctor, and then we find out she doesn't work on Mondays, but nobody told us that. Yeah. So we're it was just bad, but we finally Mikey gets an, us an appointment for two p.m. or one thirty, and as opposed to they said like four or, or something? something. It was like I don't even know. I don't even know. And at that time, it was like 11, 12. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is not going to work. So he picks me up and we go home and I go to the restroom one more time and the bleeding has worsened. Like it's, it looks like a heavy, heavy blood, like cycle. Um, And I tell Mikey it's worse. Like it's gotten worse. And so they make the appointment for one thirty, and we lay down for like an hour we just take a nap because there's like nothing else we can't do. So we just sleep. But at one point, Mikey was downstairs um, getting like getting the appointment settled. And I had read somewhere to like elevate your legs if you're bleeding or something. Yeah. And I elevated my legs. And when I was on the phone, that's one of the things they're telling me is like, you know, just have her yeah. lay down, put her legs up. And it didn't stop the bleeding. And I felt really <laughs> dumb to do that. <laughs> Um, what, was it, what was your mindset like if I put my legs up it's gonna stop yeah that- like I was trying to find some way to control what I do I could not control yeah and we got to the doctor's office and we're in the waiting room and all around us are babies babies and pregnant and ladies pregnant women and at every phase there was a small bump lady big bump lady yeah big bump lady carrying a baby yeah lady whose bump just went away with a bit like it was it was awful <laughs> because <laughs> um, we knew like we knew what was and we just on. sitting there with sad energy wait right with all these all like this. beautiful babies around yeah. us um but we had talked like you know no matter what we're gonna stick together and if i am losing the baby we want to try again so this was an immediate conversation that we had out of nowhere yeah actually yeah we were both on the same page and i didn't feel any type of way about you bringing it up or agreeing with me and I don't think you did either so we got in the doctor's office and she has to check to see I'm bleeding everywhere I'm really self-conscious about bleeding on things I really just don't like it but there was nothing I could do I couldn't stop it I couldn't wear anything and she had to give me the ultrasound and at the time because I was only six weeks I was really too early for a belly ultrasound and so she had to stick the ultrasound wand inside of my cervix to see and when she did that there was no baby there was just a sack the the sack which we had got a picture of before we, which got, we could see something inside of with the, sack. the baby inside yeah but at this point there was nothing there was inside nothing. of the sack and 
the doctor was very technical and mechanic. Mechanical. Yo, the doctor handled this shit poorly. It was really it was, bad. It was the worst and experience like, I could see someone having. Know, well, it looks like we call this a threatened miscarriage. And it's like when a miscarriage happens before 12 weeks and, you know, there's nothing you did. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing you can do. And then she hands me this pamphlet and there's like, you may bleed for one or two weeks. And she passes me two pads and like off-brand pads and this cardboard box. She was like, hey, come back if you find yourself standing in a pool of blood. And <laughs> who says that I, I, someone who's losing a child? So I didn't tell you this, but I was very confused at this point. So one of the reasons why I was very quiet in that room, so I was like, so, so you just said, all right, so this is a threatened miscarriage and there's still something there. Does that mean that we're still going to have a kid? Like, is everything okay? Like, no, I cannot. I don't know. What she didn't saying. explain that I was miscarrying. Just we that there was a threat. What, uh, yeah. But. But we, we had just been there four days early and there was a baby. Yeah. And, and then there was not. There no and then the machine automatically prints an ultrasound paper. Just like thing, from the first time. Um, when you like exit out of it and she grabs she it. Snatched she snatched that up quick and she balled, balled it up and, and throw it away. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I hadn't realized that I hadn't spoken since. I hadn't spoken. I didn't realize that I was not speaking. I mean, it was like we were holding our breath since we got into the room. And I mean, we ain't really, we ain't going to depth about it. But when you were getting that exam, it was taking a minute. Yeah. She was searching. She was yeah. like, well, maybe it's, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's, she, it was, she was giving off this vibe. She was giving off this, she was acting like, like we hadn't seen anything before. Like, yeah, like, we hadn't sure just already, like, I was like, we were just, we were in just here. here. We have real life photos of the baby in my uterus. Was, yeah. And, I'm so happy that the first doctor at least printed it off to us so we'll always have that Some that proof. image and that yeah. proof that this baby was real and there and present because she was like, oh, it looks like, well, maybe it hasn't developed yet. Are you sure yeah. your cycle was And during that this? exam, the nurse. Yeah. The nurse was like, she looked distraught. Yeah. The nurse knew it was up and she wasn't trying to make eye contact. She was looking everywhere, but yeah, at our faces. I think she felt my eyes on her at one point. And she like looked and then looked away like it was, it was bad. Yeah, and um, I had to get a blood test because so, they wanted to see if maybe the baby's blood type didn't, like, like mesh with mine. The test came back fine. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't find a vein, and... They had to draw your blood to... Yeah, that, yeah, they couldn't find a vein. So, like, that whole process of, like, getting my blood taken was also traumatic because I'm currently... Randy don't like shots. And I don't like shots. No. And then you not finding this vein, having to, like, poke and prod my arm until you do was just not what I needed. It wasn't. And then at the time, my mom um, was texting us the whole time asking for updates. And my kid told her that we had lost the baby and that we needed to come up. And she sent a text out to our siblings and Mikey's mom and the godparents and our trainer to let them know, hey, they lost the baby. And our mentors, they lost the baby. Um, don't text them. Text me if you need to, like, talk or things. Uh, I had been in contact with your mom throughout the day, mm -hmm. um, throughout the calls and stuff, like, just keeping her updated with what's going on. Um, the reason being, Randy's mother is very aware of what's going on with her child, um, even when she isn't like mm -hmm. even if y'all hadn't spoken all day your, mom, your mom's pretty much pretty in tune with what's going on with you um and i know that whenever it comes down to it if there's ever anything going on with you i know that there's sometimes you just need your mother mm -hmm. you need your mother like i had i had already decided i was taking you up there even if like i had i, I was taking you up there you mm -hmm. were going to go spend some time with your mom 
because you needed that. Yeah. So. And so we went home to pack and there's baby stuff everywhere. We yeah. had just got this really nice yeah. kit, um, like a care package. We had these books. I have really nice um, books. I had a I had a few journal like baby journals, pregnancy journals, and maternity clothes. My mom took me maternity clothes shopping the weekend we found out I was pregnant because I was really bloated and we knew that I would start gaining from my waist on down as I started to show because that's exactly what happened in my measurements when our trainer took our measurements. So your mom and yeah, so took us and you we like shopping. she balled out on maternity clothes. Yeah, and um, then we went and got something to eat, and I ate everything. And I came back home and I went to sleep and yeah, it was, did. and so we had clothes and stuff still everywhere and it was still, and the ultrasound picture was tacked to the wall and it was still very much like we literally left the house pregnant and came back home, not pregnant. Yeah. And it was really bad. And Mikey had a breakdown in the kitchen um, while I was upstairs. I don't even know what I was doing. I don't know what I was doing. I think I was grabbing things. It, I mean, we didn't really get into this, but um, this I mean, this pregnancy was very, it was real. Yeah. The baby was real. Your symptoms were real. Everything we experienced was real. There would be days where, you know, you say I, I would come up there and I'd start talking to you. And I could not stop yawning. And you'd yawn. If he talked to me for longer than five minutes, I would just have this, these bouts of yawns. And, and I would have to send him baby. away. I don't know if I was boring her or if it was the baby responding. But I Randy think he was like soothing the baby because every time he spoke to me. I would just, just all of a sudden just be very tired. And I just wanted to lay down and I just wanted to like rest. I'd come home and I'd, I'd talk to your belly. I'd yeah. lay on you. I'd, we took I'd, some videos of yeah, like some really great Mikey pictures. laying on my, my belly, group laying with me. And like, yeah, it was really great. It was really divine to be transformed and transforming in that way. Yeah. And all of these behaviors kept happening on up until right before this day. So on the afternoon where I would normally be kissing on your stomach and mm -hmm. trying to make you some something, something to eat, trying yeah. to make sure you're comfortable. We are now packing up to leave yeah. the space because we need to get out of there. Yeah. And I, and I have been craving like caramel popcorn and chocolate ice cream. Which and I've really never good. had those two things together. Like they taste like butterfingers. Yeah. The baby has good taste. And, um, <laughs> And I have never ate those two things together, but I woke up, I would wake up every morning at 7.30, wanting that. And it was just really divine. And, so and it was you smelled really, like baby. Yeah, everybody said I smelled like baby powder, and I do not own baby powder. At all. And um, My wife is a shea butter queen. Yeah, and I do not own baby powder. And so it was really odd for everybody. Like, did you put on some baby powder? It was very real. And I had your sister, like, I was like, I need everybody to know I'm not crazy. Was I was like, go me. smell her head. Yeah. <laughs> and I smelled like baby powder. Smell like baby. And, um... Yeah, so we went to my mom's house and. But you, you know, you, I was in the kitchen. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was, my I was down. fine. Yeah. I swear, I was, I was okay. I had to. We was going downstairs. I went downstairs. So I was gonna feed Groot, and um, I, don't know, I just started praying, and my prayers turned into me cussing out God. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the type that, I'm, I'm very rational for the most part. Like I, I'm, I believe in logic and i was just like even when bad things happen i assume that there's a reason for it mm -hmm. like there, there has to be a reason there so i'm just asking for somebody to answer me right now in this moment and tell me why is this happening to you yeah why, why? if there was ever a person who should never lose a child or who should ever go through this it would be you 
And I was just angry. I was very angry. And then I start looking around and there's so many things in our kitchen Baby that stuff. can like that. So we have, we have check-ins, monthly check-ins uh-huh. um, that we do just kind of, it's like an oil change for our relationship. You know, we talk about mm-hmm. everything, every subject from happiness to sex, to communication, to money, to, we talk about it all. Yeah. And we had recently added the, baby yeah. to that. We that to our know, check-ins. We have names for the baby, and we didn't know who it was, so we had combined the names and yeah, put, put the name. Say it. We're not gonna say We're not gonna it. Say yeah. it cause so we put the name on the board, and um, it was still there because we had just had a check-in about the baby. So I'm looking at all this stuff in this kitchen, and I just want to destroy the whole kitchen. Yeah, there are so many things in our kitchen that are breakable: mm-hmm. chairs, table, is the the pantry, the. Yeah. It's like I can knock over this. I, I just want to destroy everything, but I'm really anti-destroying your own shit. Um. I can't, I just couldn't bring myself to, to break things as much as I wanted to like pull the chandeliers down and break the fan. Like I just wanted to destroy everything mm-hmm. and it just came out in the form of me crying. crying. Like, I just, and I heard it from all the way upstairs and, um, which allowed me to take a step outside of my grief to go down there and console him, which was probably what I needed at the time because I was just, I don't even know what I was doing up there. I think I was just, I don't know what I was doing. Um, yeah, it was awful it was awful and we we went to my mom's house and cried again and I just laid in my mom's bed and um and I and shortly after because she had ordered food and things and I had started having contractions and I didn't know that's what they were I knew they weren't cramps because it got to the point where I was having to stand up and I was leaning over the bed and Mikey's holding my waist my mom's holding my hand and, and it I, looked like what it would look like if we were in a hospital. Laboring. And, we were and it reminded yeah. me of these YouTube videos of natural births. And I was like, this is, what the fuck is this? Like, I could feel this in my, like like I said, in my toenails. It was so bad. And at the time, one of my mentors, um, I had wrote something and I gave it to my mom to read. And she was like, I think you need to call. I don't know if we can say her name. I think you need to call your mentor. Can we okay. Say that? Yes. She okay with that? No, no, no. Um, no, no. Was... um, and so she was like, I think that you really need to talk to her because she, she has been through this and you need to talk to her. And yeah. so she offered to come up and she came up. My mom was very far. And that was no small and, um, thing. Yeah. So our mentor lives very far. Very, away. Like, let's say the airport. Let's say that area. And you really want to know unless you're, unless you're from Atlanta. Yeah. Nah. But she lives very West far. West Atlanta is very far. <laughs> Southwest Atlanta is very far from South Carolina. My mom was um, in South Carolina. She's not that far from South Carolina. She's two hours out, maybe. Two, three hours. <laughs> but anyway, um, she's still in Georgia. So Ms., Ms., our mentor did not drive states to come over. But She did drive hours. But she did drive hours. Yeah. And we, um, she sat with us for like three, four hours and told us her story. And, and, and when I told her what I had just experienced, she was like, oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Those weren't cramps. Those were contractions. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense than what I thought thought they were. And it was and then I'm just like, that really fucking sucks. Cause not only am I losing this baby, um, and the baby was so early, um, I have to feel this as if it is a live birth. Yeah. And I bled and contracted for seven days. Um, seven days of confirmed miscarriage, but I had I had officially begun 
bleeding on February 1st. Yeah. And so I didn't stop bleeding to February 11th. And we spent seven days in my mom's house and our siblings came. My brother came from college. Yeah. Um, my cousin came. And it was really necessary. And my mother. And like, Mikey's mom. She spent the day with me on the days nobody else could be with me because I just really couldn't be by myself. I didn't realize that I couldn't be by myself until everybody made sure I was by myself. I wasn't going to let you be by yourself. Yeah. Because during so, that same week, I had to work. Yeah. And I also had to work. I got to work from home, but I had to work that whole week. And it was traumatic. No, neither one of our jobs gave us the option to be like, you know what? Take this time, you know? Yeah, we were, we were fairly new. Yeah. We both started these new jobs around the same time. No, so we had I had it, been at my job for seven months. By that by the point. And I had only been there for three. Three or four. Three, yeah, so I didn't have paid time off of it. Yeah, but either way, when somebody is dying inside of you and your wife is experiencing this, I would hope that Giles would be like, you know what? Maybe you. Need a day or two. Um, but that was not what happened. And nah. it was like... I. It was a, it was as if the miscarriage was like a bad cycle. And my boss had actually told my colleagues that I had a cold. And it pissed me off while I understand that the intent was to be like, let's maybe not have everybody in your business. But I didn't want the baby chopped up to a sickness. Yeah. Um. And so I ended up telling my colleagues what was really happening. It was only like four, four people on my team. but um. And the because, team was all women? Yeah, yeah. and all white. And... But maybe that's another episode. That's yes, another episode. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I worked the whole week. Mikey worked the whole week. He didn't get to work from home. He had to go in and I had to, I, I stayed at my mom's house, but it was still really bad. And every time I went to the bathroom, it was just clots and clots and clots. And the pamphlet she gave me said I could be doing this for up to two weeks. And I was like, this is, this is death. This is what dying is. And during that week, um, you know, we've established that your mother lives further away from Atlanta. And I was driving down to South Atlanta to where I worked. And my job, um, I work with kids uh, who suffer from, you know, severe traumas, um, who who take part in counseling. And my, my job essentially is to teach them and give them lessons and strategies and ways to deal with their traumas um, mm-hmm. and how to, like handle and and i think in any other situation that would have been a good thing like yeah i can now put my energy towards doing something to help but i was my mind just wasn't there wasn't there and while i'm always like mr helpful and i'm I'm always okay like oh like i'm i'm more often than not i can be okay yeah i just wasn't i wasn't okay and i was in a space with people who weren't okay and we both not okay together yeah and um it just wasn't wasn't okay. Uh, yeah. One day I had stopped back by the house before I made my way out to you, and I was like, you know, I need, I, I just need to pack some stuff up. I was gonna I was gonna put everything away, so that you know when we came back home, you wouldn't see it. Also, I had to grab some mail and yeah, thanks. some clothes or whatever. Uh, and um, your mother suggested that I let your sister and your cousin do it. Yeah. Um. And honestly, I couldn't bring myself to put everything up anyway. Yeah, um, it was. So a I lot. just put it in one place and let them know where it was, and I left the key and locked the door and made my way back up to you. Yeah, and I at the time when we first got to my mom's house, I'm also not only am I devastated and like I was in a really dark place, and I was also very angry at God because if anything, God knows. If nobody else knows, 
we know each other's fears and God knows our fears about aware. all these things we're worried about when yeah. trying to conceive. And then to finally conceive, I was like, oh, God is telling me you've been wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, you are worthy. You are fertile. You can have this baby. You can get pregnant. And, and to I'm miscarry, thinking God is doing the thing that, you know, like, trying yeah. to prove, like prove me wrong. I was like, yeah. you know, like I can't have this. I shouldn't have this. I don't deserve this. And God was like, no, here you go. Yeah. You did get her pregnant. You will have a child. Yeah. Congratulations. And it was, um, and so I felt like it was, it was like a kick to the gut to be, to the miscarry. On top of that, my kids experienced pregnancy loss before. And I've spent so long, not even realizing that I was doing this until the miscarriage, almost competing with these past experience. And I was like, okay, Mikey married me. I'm going to have his babies. You know, I can do this. And then to not be able to do it. I'm like, I'm no different than these other girls he has been with. And um, that was really difficult to swallow. Yeah. And um, for me to feel like that. And I shared that with Mikey, but I mean, he made me feel better. But um, that's where I was. And, and, and I guess just a sad part of that was because I had been through this before. It was easier to be there for you. Um, one of the times it happened before, I didn't handle it well at all. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was a kid. You handle it like a kid handles it, like like all right, well, damn, you know. You would just be sad for a minute, and I never, I didn't give her in that time and space, the time and space that I gave you. I didn't treat it properly. I didn't handle it well. Um, um, and it was this was just this was just hard to to watch and to be present for. Um. Because, again, my whole mindset was, you know, like, my wife is finally about to have my child. I'm going to get the thing that I want. And I didn't. And I thought that, like, you know, I thought we'd be having a different conversation right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the we planned to do the podcast before we found out we were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were supposed to, this episode, one of these episodes was going to be us talking about how we were trying yeah and then we got pregnant so we we're like okay well the episodes will be that we're pregnant that we're pregnant and then and they'll be happy and then we're having an episode about our miscarriage so sorry yeah <laughs> it wasn't the plan um yeah so i was really angry at god but in the time of the miscarriage and even before starting the launching the podcast i had read one of my mentors gave me miscarriage women speaking from the heart and I've written about this on the blog, Words with Randy, and I'll link it in the show notes if anybody's interested. I don't mean to be redundant, but I had read Miscarriage Women Sharing from the Heart, and it was really great. It's not a book to binge read, um, and I haven't finished it, but it's been really helpful with me giving my miscarriage, like, just being able to feel like I'm sitting almost in a support group of women and and um, and I also started to reread The Shack. And The Shack was a book I actually read after my grandmother passed in 2012. One of my favorite books. Yeah. And um, it's about a father who loses his youngest child to a serial killer um, while going on a camping trip. And three years later, he's still in his grief. He calls it the great sadness. God writes him a letter and asks him to visit him in the in the shack where his child was killed. And... The Shack has recently been remade into a movie. Yeah. Um, I haven't, we haven't seen it yet, but the book is read great. Read the book. But... I reread the book because it's what I read when I was when I was in college after my grandmother passed and the main character ends up spending a weekend with God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And God presents himself as a black woman in this book. And it was just really great. 
And I also started to read and finished when bad things happen to good people. And so during this time, I'm really just trying to feel better because we 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 want to try again. We've decided not so soon, but especially because we realize it doesn't take me long to get pregnant. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I want, but I knew I wanted to be mentally and emotionally healthy to. And we again. were not mentally, emotionally, or physically healthy anymore at that point because we were. Yeah, drinking we had been drinking a lot, a lot. I I had been depriving myself this whole time. No caffeine, no sugar, no alcohol, no, no alcohol. Um, prenatal pills for months. All these things. I had been taking one a days. Yeah. And I ain't never took a vitamin since Flintstone Chewies back in the day. Yeah. And, and it didn't work. Doesn't keep babies here. Doesn't keep babies. Um, at least didn't keep this one. And so I was like, well, I'm going to eat and drink whatever the fuck I want. And so we did. And so we did. And it was what we needed, you know, and we're, we'll get into like how we're not doing that anymore or not as much. Less. But, um. I read those three books and it really helped me realize that, you know, we're only this devastated and we only find this as unfair and unjust as we do because God finds it as unfair and unjust as we do. And God is also devastated. And and God, um, he didn't intervene like we wish he would have for this, but God limits himself to have a relationship with us. And that means not dictating and not dominating everything, which means we're not protected from natural events and natural phenomenons. And, and sadly, miscarriages are natural. They, they, yeah, they happen. Yeah. They're they more one, common than you think. We it's knew. What, it's the, the one in four pregnancies. One in four pregnancies. That's, so that's not one said. in four women. One in four we'll pregnancies. One in four pregnancies. That's a, a lot, lot of pregnancies. That's a lot of pregnancies. That's billions of pregnancies. Yeah. And um, and so realizing that you know, you know, the body and nature don't have morals. You know, they're just gonna do what nature they're does. Do. What nature is intended to do. And sadly, my body just couldn't do this one. Um, but because it's it's it happens in nature. And my brother, who I love very much, he came home from school, and he tells me that he like track down his science teacher to understand what miscarriages are yeah. and his science teacher gave him a very scientific answer but it was perfect hold on and just to to just to make a point this is your brother's in college yeah this is not a kid in middle school going to ask her high school this is this is a grown man essentially seeking he's 18 information that you should have been given yeah at a younger age and he um he told me, and it made me feel so much, and like it made me feel good because it's Keon, and you have to know Keon to understand why this is perfect. Yeah. Um, for him to tell me, but he told me, you know, it's something about psychotic cells, something Dylan, something about something, <laughs> yeah, some cells and things that happen, and um, and that it also happens in nature, animals experience, yeah. And, and I was like, wow, you know, I had no clue at all, and and, I mean, and that's that's a. I think that's where education does a disservice. There are certain things that I feel like we should learn in school that we don't learn in school. Um, Like not, this is not something that's just information that women should have. I think this is information that should be shared with young boys as well. Like just so we have a better understanding of women, you know, this, we're given this, this false narrative of what pregnancy looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, from movies, the woman find out she's pregnant. Then you see a montage of throwing up in toilets. Yeah. Then you see, Baby, baby bump and then you see baby and, and then the baby bump is magically gone and that's it and then it's about how they like how they raise them you know yeah and that's not that's not happens. the process it's not the process i actually didn't have any vomiting or anything no. and um my my main psych- symptoms were tender breast fatigue cravings really nice 
and um <laughs> your eyes twitched and um yeah those are my main and three fatigue yeah yeah just tired. and i had some nausea but i hadn't thrown up yet but everybody kept telling me it would come don't worry <laughs> you will you will have it but um yeah so we spent seven days at my mom's house and I had realized that, you know, God is also devastating. God, this is not part of God's plan. And, you know, God has only good things. And so that helped me unearth like one layer of my sadness and to be able to, to start back talking to God and just asking for courage to try again when we wanted to and strength to get through it. And, um, yeah. and so the seventh day we came home and, Watched the last like two episodes of This Is Us, which was a terrible decision. And we did it because we hate ourselves. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it was an episode, the, the episode where Jack or two died. right before we Kate stopped was Kate miscarrying. And which, yeah. And then <laughs> this episode that we came home and watched was Jack's death, and it was just like Mandy Moore needs an award because this whole cast is full of great actors. But I completely agree. I but it was like the most powerful Mandy scene Moore. I've ever seen, especially after our miscarriage experience and being at the doctor's office and being like, but we was just here on the first. Yeah. Like we have an ultrasound picture of the baby. And spoiler alert. If you haven't seen that episode yet. No, don't spoil it. Okay. She expressed the exact same emotions and things that we had. And I mean, it's just superior acting. Like it was just, it was just awesome. But, but it was also incredibly sad. And, um, but anyway, we were home and we went back to work. I went back in the office and it's just been really traumatic to deal with having all this kindness bestowed on me from my family and people who love me and to get back in the office and be like, hey, you know, I can't imagine what you're going through. I, I can't, I can't imagine what you must be feeling right now. So instead of imagining it, let's I work. need you to focus on work. Yeah, let's, you seem distracted. So let's... <laughs> And I, I, adults are trash. Adults are trash. And I'm just like, I, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And it made me just, you know, and I, I can't leave this at home. You know, it's not like an argument with Mikey or a bad day with Groot. No. It's my body and I take my body everywhere. And not being able to disassociate. It's impossible to disassociate, it feels like. But I've, I've been, I've received very little grace and support when it concerns that. From and everyone outside of the family. Feel like, yeah, it makes and it me feel was a like, really great thing that we told the people we told. Yeah, no, because they really helped us. And I don't think I would be here to tell the story if I had been isolated and not had the love and support of our family members. I really don't because I was really not okay. I was really in a really bad place. Yeah. And um, I really just wanted it to stop. I just wanted it all to stop. And I think I would have made a stop had I not had people who love us around me. And um, assisting that I was alive and that I was strong and loved and things. Um, yeah. And actually, I'm going to take a small break to say I really want my kid to, t- to say the things he said that made me feel better when I confronted you about how bad I felt that I had also miscarried or had a pregnancy loss. I really um, had to just bring to drive home the point that there's no blame here like nothing, none of this is your fault you know like I, I i completely understand and understood at the time like that the way your mind works is rain is going to find a reason or some type of way to put blame on her and it wasn't your fault this tragic thing is not 
something that either of us could have controlled. You know, I, I love you. I still love you. Nothing, none of that has changed. You are still the same beautiful, amazing, phenomenal, smart, <laughs> intelligent woman who you were before this happened. And the way I look at you is not going to change. You know, if anything else now, I just feel closer to you. Now I feel like, like, even though I, I mean, I figured it's impossible. We're very, very close already. Yeah. We've been friends for years. We, we talk every damn day about everything. Yeah. I didn't think we could get closer until, you know, a baby dies. Uh, yeah. So it, it was, it was nothing for me to just, you know, hold your face and look you in your eyes and just let you know what, what, what was happening. You are not to blame. You are still perfect. My wife is still perfect. You can roll your eyes now, but still perfect. You can still do no wrong. You are still the love of my life and we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this with you knowing that the way I feel about you has not changed. Yeah. And it was really great to be told that because um, in the book that I had been given about miscarriages, a lot of husbands just hadn't handled the miscarriage well. Um, their wives miscarriage as well and they weren't very kind. Yeah, no, nah, I, I had to let you know, like, the, like I understand this is going to be a process. This is not something that you're going to get over. Yeah. You know, this is something that we are going to get through. We're going to yeah. keep working through as we go. Like, there's no time limit to your healing. There's no, I'm not expecting you to be okay. I'm not expecting you to not be okay. I'm expecting to take this day by day and let you go through and feel what you need to go through and feel. And figure this out while we go, you know, Um, I'm not going to treat you like a workspace where I'd be like, hey, you know, some time has passed. Maybe you should uh, get over it. Shut up. You know, like like, like, they make me feel like the miscarriage was an inconvenience to like the workspace. (laughs) It was an inconvenience to the workspace. No, the workspace is an inconvenience to me. That's true. um, Because fuck y'all. But that's where that's just where I was. um, Yeah. So, thank you for saying that. Of course. What are we doing now? How are we Where are we now? We um, are still alive. Still married. Um, yeah. I just had my first therapy appointment the other day, but that wasn't... It was okay. So, we are um, trying to take better care of our mental, physical... Emotional. Emotional health. Yeah. Social as well. Yeah. You know, from this podcast is... For us to start talking to people again. Yeah, and engaging and hopefully just giving other couples um, a space or just some representation, you know, because I couldn't find many things about black women miscarrying when I was, I, I know black women who have miscarried. And you um, didn't know the black women who miscarried until this happened and those yeah, black women Yeah, until they came. told me like, hey, I miscarried as well. And I, you know, everybody keeps, everybody, it's not something people talk about, which, which I understand. I do. But it happens so much. It's just, it's insane how often it happens and how many people miscarry. Um, You know, even down to Beyonce. Yeah, like, like, even, like, knowing that it's happened before and knowing that it could happen, it's not going to take away all of the pain. Yeah. It won't, but it will definitely lessen the blow. Like, Yeah, or just at least make it so when it does happen, you have... You don't feel like some. Uh, you have at, some support, like you know, with, abomination. Like, you don't feel yeah, like, like you're like the some, worst thing. With like devs, you get FMLA at work. With yeah. pregnancy after birth, you get maternity leave, and there's nothing for loss for of, loss yeah. of a of a of a baby of a fetus, and um, that's really difficult to reconcile. And 
And so we're just trying to do, I'm, I'm honestly trying to remember the things I did with my grandmother past, though this is slightly different, but I'm just like replicating what I did back then to get better because I do want to get better because I do want to have kids. Um, but I'm afraid I don't want to miscarry again. Yeah. And because it's so random and it's so sporadic and even the healthiest people in the world who don't eat any sugar, who don't have any body fat, who never did a bad thing in their life, miscarry. And so there's no real protection from it. You and know? these worries and fears that you have, you're not alone Yeah. at the same time. Like your partner also shares those same fears. And I also thought it was a really good thing to, I thought it was important to tell you that. Yeah. Like you're not crazy. You're not alone. I'm afraid for the same things you're afraid of. Yeah. And there's no safe time. You know, we, when I, around day four of my miscarriage, I was like really obsessed with like obsessed with watching YouTube videos and reading articles about women who had miscarried and had gone on to have successful pregnancies and successful births. And the women who had miscarried miscarried at 13 weeks and 26 weeks and nine months months. or got, got pregnant, had the baby, baby was still born or got pregnant, had the baby, raised the baby, baby baby dies in the shooting Shooting in a school. You know, (laughs) there is no safe time. There's no safe time. These babies are going to be here if they want to be here. And I'm having, like, I'm constantly trying to tell myself that I'm also, in terms of moving forward, I keep a mental list of things that are act of God and things that are not. So miscarriage, not an act of God. Act of God, supportive family, supportive husband. Um, Just the little joy we get in between when things make us laugh or something. not act of God, blaming myself, feeling guilty, feeling like my body's a traitor, you know, act of God, having the courage to have this conversation, wanting to try again, um, having people listen to me about this experience. And, and so that's, what's been helping me as well. And that's, and we started back working out. We don't drink as much. We don't drink as much. (laughs) Our trainer will listen to this. Yeah, we have to stop drinking as much because, yeah, but we don't. I I touched on my my experience with alcohol and yeah, things of that nature. I don't need to be drinking right now. Yeah, so we don't. You know, we'll have a glass of wine every now and then. But in terms of hard liquor, it's been a minute. In terms of hard liquor, drink it to get drunk. uh, It's been a week. Okay, which is a long time for us it is since um yeah yes so and again we are recording this mid-march yes and this happened we official confirmed miscarriage was february 5th so a little over a month ago was when i miscarried so we are still very much in this still yeah it's Um, still very raw there are some who may have moved on we have not. A lot of people moved on. You know, that's with anything. You see something on social media, it's really sad. And life, and like your life continues though. And, and that's one thing we learned is that people's, people's lives didn't stop though ours did. Yeah. And I feel like I'm dead, but people are on vacation and they're doing things and they feel bad, but you know, shit happens. Yeah. Good luck. And, uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so things this has taught us, things that this has taught us, um, I've learned that 
have a really great family. I'm really happy we told the people we told. Man, I, this village. Yeah. I mean, it really did keep me alive. Those seven days really kept me alive. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people, you know, they don't tell people because, you know, they wait to a certain wait amount of time. Wait till the first trimester is Or over they and... wait longer. They just yeah. don't say anything. But, y'all, like, I've just really learned there's just no safe time. And when shit does go wrong, I knew I didn't want to be by myself. And I'm happy that we thought about that beforehand, that we wrote down our list of people we would tell when we got pregnant so that we wouldn't have to do this alone. Because so many couples do it alone. And it's just, I knew for us, it wouldn't have been healthy if something did go wrong. And so it wasn't healthy and which is why we got the support we needed. And we're going to, when we get pregnant again, we're going to tell those same people again because they've proved themselves to be around, not just for the good times, but to really be supportive when, when our life is over, when it feels like death, um, when it is death. So I've also learned, you know, there is no education, little to no education about pregnancy loss and nobody's talking about it. And that's detrimental and it's killing women, yeah. you know, not just physically, but just you, you change when somebody dies inside of you. I am not the same person. And I feel so bad because I was so mean to the Randy before the Randy I am today. And I was just very critical and not very gracious. And then she left. She just up and left too when the baby passed and I didn't get to say goodbye to any of them. And so either of them. And so um, I've just learned to that, like, I, I need to be better to myself because things are going to happen and I won't have any control over it. And I'm going to look up and realize I wasn't kind to me. Yeah. And that kind of leads into like, one of the things that I've learned, knew already, but really was able to like, yeah, this is big. Um, the importance of being trauma informed. Yeah. Um, people need training, man. People need to know how, how the mind works and how to respond to certain things when people are a certain way. Um, how to handle tragedies, you know, like there, there are easy solutions that people can do like in the workplace when you find out that something has happened to where you can make a judgment call, like as a human being, be like, Hey, this is a traumatic thing for you. Here's some things that should happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mental health is a big thing. Um, and counseling and things of that nature. While it's not very common in the black community, like. Well, it's not common. Counseling. Seeking oh, counseling. Yeah. Because yeah. um, we don't want to tell nobody nothing. Yeah. You know what happens in this house. Stays in this house. Uh, it's all harmful and toxic. And it is. We all need therapy. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. But we don't, I mean, we don't have, it's, it's a mixture of access and also there's a history of like medical apartheid, which is a great book about just distrust in the medical community. Yeah. Distrust for black people in the medical community because we've been experimented on and cut and carved and treated like we don't feel pain. Uh-huh. And so those are generational things that stick with us. And over time, we forget exactly what those things were, but we keep the impact of that, which yeah. is why we don't go to the doctor and we don't get therapy and we don't talk about pregnancy loss online or in public. Um, we just kind of suffer. We not kind of, we, we suffer, suffer in, in silence. silence and it's not healthy because I don't want to project my fear on the next baby. You know, and I, I want to celebrate yeah. and I, and I, I can't help but talk about the baby because my baby was real and I that baby was loved and the baby funny. was gonna be 
and completely like so well taken care of and yeah we yeah and i we've been doing all this work to be good parents to be good people to to our offspring and um it really sucked but i don't want to i'm happy that we have the ultrasound picture i'm happy that this baby had a place in our the people we love's lives people we love lives and um I don't want to forget the baby and I want to celebrate the baby. And so, because the baby was, was good. It was a good baby Yeah. for the time we had the baby. And I want to do the same for our future children because life deserves to be celebrated. Yeah. You know, um, we've also learned, I don't know if we talked about this. I'm sure we did that. We are really close. Like we know that, but like, yeah. Miscarrying like deaths and families, loss of children, that they can pull split couples. people up. It does, yeah. and divorces happen because that's of that. Real yeah. to to that's so real, and I can completely understand how it happened. And I don't know why we are any different. I don't because there are people who've been friends and got married and suffered a loss and just can't. And I don't know why, but I can only chalk that up to an act of God as well. So that because it's good, it's an act of God. And that's just something spiritual and Holy Spirit is just like present. Um, and just and communication. And, yeah. And the ability to take your ego out of something like when you're experiencing something, it's about you and it's OK for things to be about you. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be about me. Like, yes, this was a shared tragedy. However, we experience it differently. We experience it differently. And my wife deserves the time and space that she needs. And my best friend deserves the time and space she needs to work through that. Yeah. And I can let her have that and not feel any type of way about it or feel like I'm being slighted, you know? Like, yeah. It's okay to, you know, wait your turn. Yeah. Um. Also, I mean, like, you were going through it. It's a painful thing. You know, just being there for somebody is a, is a big deal for me. And we've always... We're really big on consistency and, you know, showing each other who we are, despite you know, whatever's going on. We need to be who we need to be. Yeah. And I wasn't going to not be there for you. You know, I'm not going to not hold you or listen to you talk or let you scream or, you know, yeah. like it's. And the same is true for, for me. I was just like, you know, on top of the fact that I felt really guilty, I felt like I had done this to Mikey um, and like having to like logically tell myself, no. You know, but on top of that, I was just like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just us two. Yeah. Our families love us. Our mothers love us. But we both had to go home. And you know, when we walked into the door. It was, it was just, just us, us. Us and group, you know. And so when it's just you, it was just each other. Like you can't, you can't, what else was I going to do? I don't know. You can't do anything but try. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Um. So we do want to try again. We do want to conceive and get pregnant and I guess conceive and get pregnant. Same thing. We want to get pregnant (laughs) and give birth and raise a baby. But, you know, there is some obvious fear in there. And I don't know if it'll ever leave. From what I hear, it does not. But um, and you just have to have courage and and try again and be able to manage and hope that the baby stays. You know, um, it's morbid, but that's. That's what it is. That's what we had. We back on our prayer preparation and planning yeah. and what other P got thrown. Not really planning. More just like, well, I think we're going to get pregnant again after some tequila. Because <laughs> it probably won't happen. Patron is the devil. <laughs> nah, nah. 1800 is your. Is yeah, that's mine. Yeah. Nah. 
1800 coconut anyway but no anyone I, who wants I to would, donate some 1800 coconut to the cause <laughs> please feel free i would hope that i mean we we really we actively tried for the first baby and a lot of trying i don't know if it's just a different mindset i think obviously when we start back trying again it will be an active trying yeah. um but i don't know if i will approach it the same one there was a whole lot of anxiety about getting pregnant i don't have none of that but um <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, I was. I was. I was concerned about my physical health too. Like, just like, yeah. What but if then I'm something looking at is all wrong? These people, all people of all walks of life, get pregnant. Yeah. People bigger than us. People unhealthier than us. People healthier than us. You know, there, there's really no rhyme or reason to any of this shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah. So those are the things that's taught us. I feel like are we forgetting things? Maybe not. So <laughs> it wasn't. As awful as I thought it would be. Too nah, bad. that wasn't. That wasn't too bad. I mean, it was awful, but it wasn't like as awful. It wasn't. I think it's better that we're in a space that we're in now, to where we could talk about this with the attitude that we have. What's the attitude? Less distraught. Oh, I'm. I am. Well, I guess we can talk. Like, I get what you're saying. We can. We can communicate I'm not saying it now. It. Yeah, I don't think you're not like listening. It. I ain't it's speak still- to nobody for. Well, we, for for the, about for a couple of weeks, I could count on one hand the amount of people I said words to. Yeah, yeah. And we're functional. We're more functional now. I'm up to double digits. Yeah, and we're on social media and things. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I don't mean. I don't think you mean that we are like better. I ain't saying we over it. Yeah. I would say that we're better than what we were feeling that first week February or thing. how we were handling it. But yeah, this is still a this is an ongoing thing. It feels very, very. I could wild. very well wake up tomorrow and be extremely depressed about it again. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. But today, in this moment, sitting here with you on this podcast, talking with you, is a healing thing. It is, um, and I think that I hope that we provide some type of something for somebody else going through this. Um, yeah. Because that's what we wanted when we were going through it, and that's what we got. So, segment two. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. Because we recorded this last night, y'all don't know what I said to Mikey. So I'm just going to reset <laughs> because he's still doing it. And Good. Mikey, uh huh, I love you. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We're doing the, the hand holding before we let go. Yes. Okay. Let go. Please share. I don't What's know. What's your problem, Randy? I'm sorry. My bad. I don't know. You say you've been doing this since we've been together, and I do I not have. recall. It seems like something very new. But you keep cracking your feet, your toes, and it is, it's it's making me, it's giving me anxiety. I'm, I I'm developing slight PTSD. <laughs> Whenever I hear you walking and you crack your feet or laying down, and I feel like you're taunting me. Mm. It feels personal, though I don't think that it is. And it's a lot. And you say you've done it. You say you've been doing this for years, for your whole life. And I don't, I don't You know understand. what? I, I can, I can trace back now as to the point where I started cracking stuff. There was a girl I was cool with in fifth grade. I won't say her name. She used to crack her oh. neck. Oh. She used to crack her neck. Oh. <laughs> in the loudest way. Like, it was, it was, it, it, it I, I would cringe. Like she could turn her head what seemed like backwards in both about. directions, all knuckles, all everything, and she'd be relaxed. And she like cracked my neck one day. And I was straight. I, I, it felt so good. So ever since like I just I crack things because I have poor circulation and because 
it makes me we feel have to better. figure something out we have so, to look up some resolutions like just now popping. i just lifted my leg up and my knee snapped like i just i'm old you need to do some yoga or something something i can't live like this <laughs> and i feel like you keep i know this is very hard for you i feel like you keep like i don't know since you turned 27 it's gotten worse you be because my i age don't out remember push like that Boy, shut up. Oh, that i can't tell a man's age is, is that a thing no, oh. it's not. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> you started doing this when you turned 27. No, I didn't, Randy. And that's what it feels like. It's not, I, uh, playing basketball all the time. My feet always hurt. I would crack my feet in my shoes. Take them like it's well, just... Then maybe we need... You, uh, Mikey. What? You oh, just crack your feet. <laughs> I need you to stop. <laughs> Are you going to fight up like this? I am going to... Is there a third option? No. Fight or flight? You know what? I don't want to fight you on this. I don't want to fight you on this. You're and I can't fight really me. fight it because it's not really flee, a thing that I can but then you're gonna control. I'm going to, huh? You heard me. I didn't. What's she saying? You're going to flee. You're probably going to just apologize. But uh-huh. then you're still going to do it. Because I can't stop it. You can't. This is not a, it's not something I'm doing on purpose. It's not, a, it's involuntary. My body just, when it feels that it needs to, or when I cannot feel my toes because like right now. Sitting in this high chair that we built that people will be able to see the video of and that they will now know mine is broken. <laughs> um, and uh, it's not because of my, my craftsmanship. I blame Ikea. Uh, it's not Ikea. I have, I, I have bad circulation. Well, and it hurts. And I have to crack my toes. And so I will apologize for the feeling that it gives you. I'm sorry that, that it makes you feel so upset. So what's going to happen from now on? Because I love you. So what mm-hmm. I'm going to do is I'm going to leave a room abruptly if I feel that I need to. You said that last night. I did. And, and you know, it. earlier today, I went to go do it. You did that, but you've, cre- do you, I don't think you're even aware of when you do it. I think you do it purposely. But the thing is, aware. is the moment I set foot on this ground, my toes going to crack. This is a really, all right, I will flee. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Sure. And my joints. We gonna figure something out, listeners. If you have this problem or know somebody, yeah, man. Problem, if there's a if there's a vitamin, if one a days uh got a joint thing, send some info about this. Or if there are some earplugs that you would recommend that Randy could wear all day, Mikey. That <laughs> what? No, it's a solution. It's not all day. Most of the day, or you know, amputation. I don't know. You want to cut off my feet? We saw a Grey's Anatomy episode about this very same thing. You think his toes crack? No, because you don't have them. <laughs> Leave me alone. All right. Fine. So we're going to go from that to some into our last segment. PDA. What's my public display of affection for today? <sighs> I love you. I love you too. I really do. I know. Randy. Isn't the most patient person, y'all. She's not. My wife is perfect. And so. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. This isn't the one from last night. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm switching it up to something different. I love my wife. My wife is perfect to me. Mm-hmm. I don't care what nobody say. I will argue that until I die and you can't tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and in her perfection, she has some imperfections. But those are perfect. PDA? This doesn't feel the, like that. The point I'm making is Mm -hmm. you are impatient. You're a very impatient person. You don't like waiting. You struggle to sit still. (laughs) You do. You have a a hard time of it. But 
you try. Every opportunity you get, you you try to find a way to deal with some of the things that you struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you always try to put effort towards improving yourself in that way. Like you'd be like, yeah, I'm not the best at this. I don't want to continue to not be the best at this. The best at this so I'm going to try to not be the worst <laughs> at this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put some effort towards it, towards improving. And you've been working on self-improvement since I met you. You know, you're not the same girl you were when you were 15. You know, you are completely, you're a grown woman now. And that effort is something I try to mirror with what I do with my life. Like I'm trying to not be as bad yesterday as I was at something, you know, trying to just better myself. And I appreciate you for the inspiration for that. You know, I can say now that you are definitely more patient of a person than you were before, because, you know, who you were before would have, you know, snapped about my fingers and toe snapping a long time ago, you know, but you ignored it because you were in love with me. And now you just realized that it's happening. So, you know, you come to me in a way that, you know, that, that's respectable so that we can discuss it and move forward in a better way. But ultimately, I am thanking you for the inspiration you give to better myself. You're great like that. Thanks. Was that good? Yeah. It's your PDA. All right. Go ahead. Why you smack your teeth? Because face you made. What they can't see your face. Made? I can't describe it. You're going to have to try. Randy kind of rolled her eyes a little bit and her lip lifted up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my PDA, I just want to thank you for being as supportive and great as you've been throughout our miscarriage experience. And you've really let me do and be whatever I want to be. As I move through this and do my best to just move and move forward and get better and self-improve. And so you've given me the space. You've really given me the space without making me feel guilty or making me feel horrible or just adding to these bad things I already feel. Um, And you've been really great and vulnerable with me and your own pain and grief, which I appreciate. And on International Women's Day, you gave me a shout out and you highlighted our miscarriage, which really moved me because nobody talks about miscarriage. And not only that, but I haven't been feeling like a woman and like I should be, I don't know, praised or anything good. Um, I haven't been feeling very feminine at all. I just feel like somebody that loses babies. And, you are so fine. Though. And smart. And and smart. You also, um, you just been very affirming, and like my physical attributes and my mental attributes and emotional, and you recognize that I am trying to stay alive as best I can. So thanks. You're welcome. That was sweet or whatever. All right. <laughs> Be sure to check out our website. That was that's the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, hey, so please, um, if you haven't been there yet, please go check it out. Um, it's a really great site that Randy and I put a lot of effort into Randy 99% me 0.5, uh, Groot the other 0.5. Uh, check out our website at uh, blackmillennialmarriage.com and subscribe to our new le- ah, subscribe to our newsletter because we're gonna do stuff. Yeah, and we're going to give away prizes and things. And um, follow us on social media. On Instagram, we're Black Millennial Marriage. On Facebook, we're Black Millennial Marriage. And on Twitter, Twitter. we're Black Mill Mare Pod. 
and, to contact uh, us directly about anything, you know, f- give me a heads up on some love stories that I could be able to share and take from Randy. Um, or, uh, you know, again, to follow up with that tequila donation, uh, email us at uh, blackmillmare at gmail.com. B-O-A-C-K-M-I-L-M-A-R at gmail.com. All of this will be in the show notes. So if you want to go to our website and look up this, it'll be right there. So if you're driving, don't worry. Um, check out our next episode. It's episode five, Threesome or Nah. And it'll, it'll lift your spirits from this one, y'all. We hope. It should. It it's should. Not, it's not a sad episode. No, we're talking about threesomes. I think we're out of sad episodes until life happens again. So, thank you so again. So, until next week. You're right. <laughs> thank you again for listening. Be blessed. Don't settle. Fight clean. Peace. You digging what I'm saying? We could go deep. I dig it. I dig it. You dig it. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. You dig it. I dig it. We're good. So, yo, I hope you love it. I love it. I got no upper, but none above it. I focus on what the funk is. Don't know what's so fierce. I'm sipping Tyler.